Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org. Support comes from Gather Pottery, hosting ceramicist Sarah Anderson, teaching a weekend sgraffito workshop for all levels, May 18th and 19th at Gather Pottery in Interbay. Learn more at gatherpottery.com. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, we're still learning more about the door plug that blew out of a Boeing 737 MAX 9 mid-flight and bundle up. The Seattle area is cold, and it's getting colder. We may even get some snow this weekend. Local digital strategist Aisha Brown and needling editor-in-chief Lex Vaughn are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. Speaking of Boeing, the Federal Aviation Administration said it launched an investigation into the safety of Boeing's 737 MAX 9 plane. Specifically, according to the New York Times, the agency is looking into whether the plane was manufactured to match the design approved by regulators. Last Friday, an Alaska Airlines flight made an emergency landing in Portland after a piece of the fuselage blew out mid-air. The planes are grounded nationwide. In a statement, Boeing promised complete cooperation and transparency with the FAA during its investigation. No shortage of people interested in filling the vacancy left by Seattle City Councilmember Teresa Mosqueda. There are 72 people who qualified for consideration, according to Council President Sarah Nelson. Take a look at the list. If you've got endorsements, questions, or criticisms, you can do that today. The council is holding a special meeting for public comment and to choose the finalists for the job. The list of applicants includes a few candidates who didn't make the cut in last year's election, including CID activist Tanya Wu and District 3's Rye Armstrong. And light rail riders, you better steal yourself. Get ready to alter your commute for the next three weeks. Starting tomorrow, trains will only arrive every 26 minutes in the downtown area on weekdays. And on weekends, five stations from Westlake to the stadium stop will close entirely. Sound Transit says it needs to fix damaged rails on the curve between the Westlake and University Street stations. Seattle Times reports it's the third time in a year that maintenance has delayed light rail service in the downtown area. It's Friday again. Get your cold weather gear in order because you're going to need it this weekend. Maybe keep the snow shovel and ice melt on standby just in case. Aisha Brown is here. She's a local digital strategist. How's it going, Aisha? Hey, Trish. Staying warm. Glad you're here. Lex Vaughn is here, too. She's the editor-in-chief of The Needling. Good to have you back, Lex. Always good to be back. All right, you two. Before we go any further, we need to take a pause for the winningest coach in Seattle Seahawks history, Pete Carroll. Carroll was fired yesterday by team owner Jody Allen, but will remain in an advisory position. Thanks so much for everything, Pete Carroll. Lex, Aisha, he took it with grace. Really did. Yeah, it it seems like the city overall has a feeling of gratitude, even though, you know, it seems like not the best ending getting fired. It -hmm. just seems like even being fired is not stopping people from being, you know, gracious about what he gave the city. It is a whole era that was mostly good for the Seahawks. It just seems like maybe they are ready for a new chapter. I moved here in 2013 when the Seahawks won, and I remember being so ecstatic that I moved to a city with a winning team. 
So <laughs> I was excited for Pete Carroll. He had a very calming presence about him, kind of like everyone's uh, grandfather, if you will. I think that if for anyone who's ever watched Hard Knocks, which is a show I love on HBO, the way that they handle firings in football, they are so quick and polite and courteous and send you on your way. It's kind of inspirational to see that you can let someone go with a smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, very graceful exit, if emotional, from Pete Carroll. Said he loved every minute of it, which is the best way to go out. All right. It has been a week, man. And just about a week since the violent midair blowout aboard Alaska Airlines Flight 1282. In what seems like a hand of God moment at this point, passengers were still seated and belted in when a door plug came loose mid-flight on the Boeing 737 MAX 9 they were flying in. Flights have been grounded around the world. The New York Times reporting the FAA is now looking into whether Boeing complied with safety rules. This is a quote from the FAA. On Thursday, this incident should have never happened, and it cannot happen again. Boeing has already said it would be updating training manuals. CEO Dave Calhoun called an all-hands safety meeting this week where he told employees, this can never happen again. I am sensing a theme. And this is all just getting started. There will likely be quite a few lawsuits Lots of anxiety and lots of fallout for the airline industry, especially Boeing and their subcontractor, their Spirit Aerospace. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm impressed with people who can do the research. Like for, I, I I guess I haven't actually looked at the model of the plane that I usually fly in, but now I feel like I have to, especially since when I was listening to your uh, podcast earlier this week uh, about this which I highly recommend. It was great. You know, Dominic Gates talked about how this plane was not cleared to fly to Hawaii, but it was cleared to go to California. And that's the main place that I fly. And I'm just like, this is a very serious concern for me. Chilling detail. <laughs> yeah. Chilling detail in retrospect. For the holiday break, I actually uh, drove all the way to my parents in the Mojave Desert in Southern California 20 hours there, 20 hours back, which I felt kind of stupid for, especially since the reason I did it is I didn't want to get sick in a plane and I ended up getting sick at home anyway because um, oh, no. of one of my siblings bringing it. But after this uh, this thing, I'm like, you know what? feel a little less stupid about the road trip now. <laughs> Aisha, what are you thinking? I have peak flight anxiety. And so, Lex, when mm -hmm. you said that you've never been one to look at the, like, model of your plane, that's the first thing I check before wow. I book a flight. Because hmm. Boeing and the flights that have crashed, and not due to pilot error, but due to the plane and the way it's manufactured, made me lose trust in that model of plane. And so I really feel for the employees and the crew and the pilots who already are tasked with keeping people safe and orderly. We know that during the pandemic, people got a little feral on flights. And um, something that stood out to me watching the videos that many passengers have shared on social media is how quiet it was. It was yeah. silent. Everyone was sitting there. And um, as people have now started sharing their firsthand experiences, mm -hmm. it 
actually is terrifying that yes. that happened. So. And being someone who's an elder millennial raised on Final Destination movies, the one <laughs> yeah. upside is that I actually did think the plane would immediately snap in half if hmm. like a window opened up. And so I don't know yeah. how that changes at cruising altitude. But hmm. there's something comforting about knowing that you have a chance to navigate getting back down. But y'all, so we... your flight anxiety actually has lessened a little bit. No, it, it, it's not. <laughs> it has not lessened. But I don't want us to normalize windows oh, yeah. popping open Absolutely. on a commercial aircraft. This is yeah. not normal. I I really am wondering because I. I just I think there are a lot of executives of these companies, both Boeing and Alaska, that are more concerned with profits than actual safety for everyone. And part of me really wonders if is that going to be the standard? You're just going to like make it a normal thing for this to happen more often in order to like impre- increase your profit margins. Like, I hope not. I think this is a uh Strangely, like a moment that may have more impact than some of the moments where everyone on board dies, because interestingly, it's like we're actually getting to hear from survivors of this experience. You know, if if a whole plane goes down, we don't usually get the recollection of how terrifying it was to be on board. With this, we're getting in detail um, a description of what it was like to be seated right next to that hole, feeling your chair getting torqued more and more towards that hole, wondering if you're going to make it. Like all of that detail is so chilling. So much you just said in there, Lex. You know, I mean, (laughs) one of the reasons that that you bring up that chair that was torqued towards the hole, that story came from a mom who was holding on to her 15-year-old son whose shirt was being ripped off through that hole. And one of the only reasons she told her story was because she was angry. At mm-hmm. the way Alaska Airlines mm-hmm. responded to this mm-hmm. event, which is interesting because that was one of the first things I heard when I was starting to follow this was how many people were telling their stories and how much information we were getting simply because of social media and people, you know, doing their thing. So that's one thing. The question I have is whether or not, because you talked about profits over safety, right? This is something Dominic Gates mentioned Mm -hmm. in our interview this week was how the workers have been alienated by this Mm, company for years now. That was such an important point. That's a really interesting, important detail to me because your workers are your eyes, hands, and ears on your product. And if they are alienated from the people at the top, I feel like that's a big problem, a big problem that Boeing has on its hands right now. What we see happening with Boeing and Alaska is no different than what we see with many companies operating with capitalism being like Mm -hmm. the goal. And I'm sure that many of us have experienced working at an organization where the employees are sharing feedback and it is getting stomped out or retaliated against or pushed aside. And so we've seen this, we've all lived through this with the pandemic and healthcare workers specifically. And if that many people can have their lives be lost and we don't see actual reform or change, I don't 
think that Boeing is going to do it out of the goodness of their own heart. I think the power is actually in people and in our dollars. And I think understanding yes. that yeah. we are the system that we live in, um, I don't think that it replaces the need to push for dramatic change. But we have seen with different protests that are financial protests of companies mm. that money is how you get companies to change. And you would hope that it's out of the goodness of their heart. But sometimes that's not it. And I do think people refusing to fly on that plane, I think people refusing to book flights with certain airlines. And I mm. think having the power of all those people telling their stories firsthand, but showing footage, um, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like this is such a big wake up moment, not just for the airline industry, but hopefully maybe other companies as well. Because I think we're living in an era where a lot of CEOs are just seeing workers as these inhuman, expendable things that make them money. And it's like, no, these are the people that make your product and your brand worth anything. You need to value them. And I feel so bad for the flight attendants who know how close they were to just walking down the aisle and flying out that hole. They did not yeah. have a $1,500 check in their inbox from Alaska following this Passengers aboard this flight were offered by Alaska immediately following this a refund for the aborted flight, <laughs> oh, <wow>. an apology, <laughs> and $1,500. $1,500, give me a break. You're going to have to cough up more than that, and I'm sure they will. There's going to be a class action lawsuit. This is not going to be a $1,500 easy. Mm. It's insulting <laughs> that, they, that they think that that is enough and that they wouldn't mm. even take the time to actually research and hear people because it's just it's like here you go here's here's your check they had people well, booked on the next flight i'm gonna say that's by design those people mm. are in no position to be rejecting or accepting fifteen hundred dollars after what they had mm. just been through mm -hmm. i'm sorry those things are going to settle a week from now a month from now mm. pay for my out of network therapist that I'm going to yeah. need to go to Alaska. Yeah. I will send you the bill. That's the way I would feel if I was on that flight. Mm. Absolutely. I would immediately be finding the best therapist I could find and billing Alaska. <laughs> anyway, lots of people getting their travel rerouted because all these planes are grounded now. So it's dramatic at the airport. I know they're trying to accommodate people. My upstairs neighbor was canceled, but she ended up getting on another flight. So they're working to get people to their destinations. Also, a couple of heroes around here, teacher Bob, who found <laughs> the door plug. A physics teacher. What a, a physics gift. physics teacher. I think that's gift. the only silver likes. lining of this whole thing is that some high school physics teacher gets to talk about this door plopping in his backyard. Or the cell phone that can fall 16,000 feet and still be on, like still, still set to airplane mode. I mean... Whoever made Brilliant. the case for that phone, this is, I'm not saying it's the Stanley <laughs> Cup in the car that caught on fire, because it's definitely not that type of marketing, <laughs> but who made the phone case? Was it an Otterbox? Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it is it the, the phone case or the company that gets the credit? I When I heard that, that it was still working after it landed on the ground, I'm like, was this an Alaska and Apple partnership gone wrong? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's Did a, they just... right before Super Bowl Sunday, there's, there's a, campaign, a campaign. This was viral marketing that went sideways, Lex. Very, very bad. Oh, my God. Speaking of bad reps. 
Our complicated ferry system, the upcoming light rail delays and potential for icy, slippery roads across the state are going to be making stuff complicated for everybody. Maybe tuck in this weekend if you can. Things are going to get frosty in the city. It's likely going to be below freezing until the middle of next week, even if Seattle won't see as much snow as we initially thought. Hmm. Before we get to the cold... How do you feel when the snow predictions fail to materialize? Have you just accepted your lot here in the city? I'm frustrated. I've changed my plans three times to try to account for (laughs) snow and not wanting to drive on certain hills. And every time I look at the forecast, it changes from there being four days of snow to one day of snow to now just flurries. And so I've just said, you know what, if it's meant to be for me to make these appointments, I will make them. But it's very frustrating. Yeah, I made sure that all of my meetings this, uh, you know, tomorrow and the next day are like all digital. I'm like, I'm not going to be driving anywhere uh, over the next few days, uh, especially because uh, one of the Needling's most popular uh, pieces is about the Queen Anne Sedan <laughs> Snow Slam. And uh, we even, you know, did our first merch drop uh, with a graphic for that uh, this last month. And, um, you know, since I've got that, that little sweater now, with that on it, I've been like, I really better not end up in one of these crashes because that would be the even funnier <laughs> thing. Me, the person that made this popular. Only if you had your sweatshirt on at the time of the crash and you could turn it into content in a cautionary tale. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I really need to avoid that happening so I don't become yeah. part of the joke. <laughs> I am always amazed at the response to snow and ice here and driver behavior, even after 23 years. I don't know. We we don't do it. We don't do it well. And black ice is a real thing. I actually, I've, I lived in New England. That is a terrifying, terrifying thing to hit. And on these wet roads with all the elevation gain yes. and loss, like especially a big deal in Seattle. So yeah, even without the snow, it's like if the, if it's freezing weather, you know, I would just limit driving in general. <laughs> Have you seen any of the, if, if anyone follows Washington State Department of Transit or transportation on oh Twitter, yes. they've been posting some videos and photos of people in the past and making, and they'd have a little humor to their post, but they're like, when we say you need proper traction on your tires, mm-hmm. we're not joking. Mm-hmm. There were, were blizzard conditions there last week. And so they're very honest about like, let's stay safe. There's certain things when wind hits, we can't protect you. And so I think it's just knowing that you're not going to win an award if you try to prove to yourself that because I'm from Chicago, I let go a long <laughs> time ago that the roads here in the snowy conditions are not the same. And I'm, I'm truly not going to win an award for navigating to Safeway because I needed to prove to myself I could drive, you know, and I think a lot of times people get in, you know, unsafe conditions and get stuck. And it's not, y'all, the hills are real. The hills are alive. We, it's not the sound of music. Stay home, go get your snacks, stock up on snacks, get like a whole playlist together on Netflix or whatever you want to watch. Yeah, enjoy it. Be cozy. It's a lot easier to stay home than try to battle. And, uh, you know, did you see the ferry this week doing battle with crazy. the waves? I mean, even Washdot had to admit, in hindsight, that was not smart. One of the ferries was yeah. out making its way <laughs> towards uh, a desk. I think it was a replacement ferry. Yeah. It was on its way. It had no passengers on it, just the crew. And it was just getting whacked by these waves. But like, even with all the context and like, well, you know, but these are the conditions and whatever, I'm like, okay, in the span of a week, I both am now afraid to 
fly in an airplane and now definitely wait in my car in a ferry. I don't think I would be doing that for a while. How did the cars not move? <laughs> did you see the waves coming in? I was actually impressed that the cars stayed. I don't know if everyone had an emergency brake on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? it was it was slashing pretty good in there. <laughs> it was. What do you think about Washdot's new approach to tweeting, though? They have come out strong Love in the past few months. I think it's super effective. They are it's very not smart. pulling yeah. punches. Well, I think they're taking a Lex Vaughn page mm-hmm. from the Lex Vaughn book, well, if you ask me. Well, you know what? I, that truly, like, as a, a former, like, real reporter who now runs a, a publication that I call Seattle's Only Real Fake News, um, <laughs> I think it's a reality that um, you know, we're we're so overwhelmed with a lot of bad news here and across the world, you know, day in and day out, that in order to like really reach people, it's hard to do that without some form of entertainment attached to it. Um, if you really want to reach people and educate people, get them aware of something, you do have to sweeten the deal a little bit. <laughs> you got to make yeah. it fun for them. I think that's what we're learning. I think yeah. that's what these yeah, big that's agencies how you break are through. learning. All right, we are leaving it there. Aisha Brown is a local digital strategist and Lex Vaughn is the editor-in-chief of The Needling. Thanks, you too. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. We can only make this show with your support. Thanks so much for donating to KUOW. There is a link in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you Monday. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.